Matthew chapter 6. We are continuing our series that we've been in for, I've lost count how many weeks, but it's been a while, called Christian Living. Christian Living, where we are coming to the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. We're coming to the Sermon on the Mount, and we are aiming to learn from Jesus. How do we reorient from a self-centered lifestyle to a kingdom-centered lifestyle? Jesus preaches this sermon. It's one of his most famous sermons, one of the most famous parts of the Bible. And, and this is kind of the big picture we're going after as we take a while to go through it. God, shift us around, reorient us, because it's really easy to, to live a lifestyle that is self-centered. Uh, but Jesus is calling us as Christians. He, he's marking out that Christian living is a lifestyle that is oriented around the kingdom, not around ourselves. And so we've been in it for a little while and um, also information you don't need. I was working in my yard yesterday, and I'm pretty sure I was messing with some trees that I was allergic to. So you guys are just stuck with me today. This is how my nose feels. <laughs> Anyways, again, <laughs> we're going to make it, Carly. <laughs> um. Anyways, we're talking about Christian living. And so we've been, the Sermon on the Mount's long. We're taking a lot of time to go through it. So we're kind of breaking it up into a few big sections to help us follow along. And we're in a section that we're calling good religion. Good religion. Because religion kind of gets a bad rep uh, in, in church world sometimes. But religion isn't good or bad. Bad religion's bad. Kind of like, you know, normal can get a bad reputation. But if normal's good, then normal's good. And so we're defining good religion. Well, well, we look at religion, and what is religion? It's just your rituals and your habits that are built around your spiritual beliefs. And so we've got religion, and we want good religion. And so how we're defining that in, in this section and looking at the Sermon on the Mount is that good religion are, is rituals and habits of growing in the grace of God. Not growing and trying to perform for God, make things happen, but rituals and habits in our lives that help us grow in the grace of God. And We've been doing a, a few different parts of this. Last week, uh, Bill Frege preached, and uh, oh my goodness, I'm like, I'm still kind of reeling from last week's message. It was so good on loving the Word of God. So if you, I thought about maybe just playing it again this week instead of me preaching. Um, anyways, okay, we're going to read the scripture now that we're going to be looking at this morning. Let's go ahead and stand and look at Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be starting in verse 25. Starts in verse 25, Jesus is speaking and he says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns and yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are alive and present with us this morning. We thank you that your word is living and active, and we invite you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us through your word. Reveal Jesus. Bring us to the Father this morning. We're so thankful to be together, and we expect as we come to your word um, to be shaped, and we give, you, we, we give ourselves to you and have your way with us through your word. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. I want to continue our Christian living series with, in this section three of Good Religion. I don't know what part we're on, but this morning's message is simply called Focus. Focus. Good religion, focus. The, the, the good religion of focus. Focus. So Jesus is in, we're, we're catching Jesus in the middle of a conversation here, right? Right? Yes. <laughs> it's a participation sport around here. And Jesus says, therefore, you've probably heard this a thousand times before. Maybe you haven't ever heard it before and you're going to think I'm clever, but classic Bible study, Bible study tool, say it with me if you know it, what's the therefore, therefore? <laughs> it's cliche, but it's true. It's cliche for a reason, right? Yeah. Therefore, Jesus says therefore. Okay, so before we get into understanding what Jesus is talking to us about this morning, we have to remember what he's been talking about. Otherwise, we're going to be tempted to just kind of make this whatever we want to make it. But Jesus says, what I'm about to say is going to make sense in light of what I just said. So we've got to remember what, what, what we just said, what we just went over. So last time that we were specifically in our text a couple of weeks ago, what was it that Jesus was talking about? Our, our last section out of the text, we talked about reward. Jesus opens um, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. So Jesus is talking to us that our, about how our life matters and our Christian life is an opportunity to live for eternal reward. We're reminded that, that, that God loves all of us the same, but we're not all rewarded all the same. And he, Jesus is assuming here that we're going to live a righteous life. And when we do, if we do it for the Lord, we will receive eternal reward, which is absolutely bonkers if you think about it. Like, not only did Christ die for us while we were still sinners, so we didn't deserve that part. Now we get to be born again and filled with the same spirit that raised Jesus from the grave. And now instead of just zapping us straight to heaven, we get to step into the invitation of living the Christian life, born again by the, in the righteousness of God, filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then when we just do those things, he then rewards us for eternity. How, how, are, we, how are we making out of this deal like that? And so Jesus is reminding us and he's calling us that, that, that good religion, it is done unto the Lord, not to be rewarded by other people. And we talked about the principles of a rewarded life. Jesus talks about in verse 19 through 24 of Matthew chapter six, he says, you know, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, store up treasures in heaven. 
Keep, keep an eye on what, it, what is the light that your eye is looking at. So, so we talked, number one, we've got to live lives storing up treasures in heaven. We've got to live lives where Jesus is the target audience, that it is him that our eye is fixed on so that we can be filled with light. Jesus says you can't serve two masters. And so we've got to make the Lord the master of our life if we want to live a rewarded life in God. And so Jesus has just explained all of this saying you're going to live a righteous life. Eternity is real. Life is short. You've got an opportunity to make the short life count for eternity. Here's what it is that you have to do. God's so faithful. If you do it to him, you will get rewarded. If you do it for people, you don't even know if they'll notice. So the guaranteed reward is if you serve the father in my righteousness. Okay. Therefore, because all of this is true, because your life matters and it's short, because eternity is long and it matters and your life can contribute towards that, because you are storing up treasures in heaven, because Jesus is the target audience of your life, because the Lord is your master, don't be anxious about your life. Therefore, because of all these things, don't be anxious about your life. This is one of those things that you read in the Bible and you're like, that's so dumb. Can we be honest? You're like, I know, but look at me. Am I right? Like being anxious is cool. It's like the cool thing to do. Being anxious and busy, it's like sort of like the best status symbol in the world that we live in. And it's so easy. And you can have all of it that you want for free. I was talking to somebody the other day and they're like, why do I feel this pressure when somebody asks me how I'm doing to tell them something I'm anxious about? Like it's so, we're so oriented around anxiety that if somebody asks me how I'm doing, I can't tell them that I'm doing well because that like wouldn't be authentic. It's not relatable or it's arrogant or like you know what I'm like, has anybody ever felt that pressure? You're like, oh, I should come up with something real fast. And all of a sudden, instead of finding things to be grateful for, I'm finding things I really ought to be complaining about. This is the world we're living in. This is the direction that I lean to, right? I mean, this is the easy road. And like, we're, we're anxious. It's kind of like what we do. And Jesus is like, hey, don't. And honestly, though, it's like, this is one of those things I think you know, makes you read the Bible, makes people read the Bible and be like, see, this is not helpful. Like, I know, I'd, I'd kind of like to not be anxious, but here we are. Don't be anxious. It's like, Jesus, why don't you help me out then? Don't be anxious about your life. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Now, we got to clarify this. Don't be anxious means don't be anxious. It doesn't mean don't be responsible, right? Like don't be diligent, don't be reasonable, don't be wise, don't be mindful, don't ever plan anything because then you're not a person of faith. Don't, don't, don't think about the future at all. Some people will look at this and they're like, see, Jesus is nutso. And I'm like, it's not, he didn't say those things. He said, don't be anxious, don't be anxious. I ought to live a life with 
to put it one way, we, we ought to live lives with certain concerns, with certain um, focuses, that there should be things that, that weigh on us to a certain measure. Like I ought to be concerned about the things of God. Amen? I, I should be diligent about living righteously and presenting myself holy to God. I need to be responsible to my family and to my, res, my responsibilities. I need to be wise with my time and my money. I need to do all of those things, but that doesn't mean I need to be anxious. And that's what Jesus wants to talk about. Don't, don't be anxious. So I don't want us to look at this scripture this morning and realize like, yeah, Jesus wants to talk to like the butterfly people who just like to float through life and I'm the one that has to carry them. No, 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 no. He's talking to all of us. And he's zeroing in here. Do not be anxious. Now, this is kind of a hard message to preach. So I've been praying through this and working on it. And for a couple of reasons, I'd say the first reason is because very broadly speaking, there might be kind of like three types of people in the room. First, you know, you kind of have the person who's like, I'm not anxious about anything. This is like the happy-go-lucky people, right? Uh, who maybe ought to have some more, like, <laughs> focus on some things, you know? And, and you're like, no, seriously, I love these verses. I'm looking at everybody like, seriously, though, y'all should stop being so anxious. I'm having a great time. <laughs> then there's like the stressed out people. We're like, don't be anxious. You're like, you basically just said, you, what, what's that? Uh, how to train your dragon. You just gestured to all of me. <laughs> you know, don't, don't be so you. <laughs> You're like, no, worry is what I do. Like, I, I tend, you, or maybe, maybe you tend towards worry about everything. Like, everything's a concern. You're concerned about everything. All the troubles are your troubles. Every news you hear is, is news to be concerned about. Everything is something we ought to be concerned about. And maybe there's kind of the third person who you're just genuinely going through like real stuff and there's like real things going on. You're not necessarily an anxious person or, and you're not lazy, but you are living real life with real hardships, real challenges, real unknowns, real things to be scared of, real struggles. And as I think about, you know, knowing that there's kind of the spectrum of all of us in this room you know, I kind of run the risk of, of preaching one of those sort of just, you know, you know, those like, hey, do better messages. You know, the ones where we read and you're like, yeah, Jesus said, don't be anxious. So that's just not amen. And I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to preach one of those do better messages where I just tell everyone the obvious thing like, hey, don't worry. One, because it doesn't work and it's not faithful to, to, to what Jesus is doing. But also it's not helpful to any of those three people or you. Because it doesn't give kind of the, frankly, the sort of kick in the pants for the person who needs it. It's like, no, I wasn't talking about that. <laughs> the stressed out person just starts worrying about not worrying more. <laughs> right? Yeah. And the person who's going through something, kind of fairly is probably going to get pretty bitter at me, specifically, and God. And just kind of like, oh, that's cute for you. I dare you to walk a mile in my shoes. And that's understandable. And it's not helpful. It's one reason why it's kind of hard to approach this text. The other reason is that I think this passage about not worrying about things can easily become and oftentimes has become sort of we approach it as if it's coaching on how to just worry about things in a more Christian way. You know, how many times have we been motivated by hearing or telling ourselves that 
that if we'll just serve God first, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get the thing. Just seek God first and everything else will be added to you. Everything will be taken care of. So I'm not worrying about something by worrying about it. I'm worrying about it by worrying about following God because then I'll get what I want. And so it's kind of my Christian way of worrying about things. We seek the kingdom first because then God will get stuff for us because he loves us. <laughs> and uh, that's hard for, for all those reasons because I can kind of see it on the surface level. All those things you can sort of take away. Like, don't be anxious. That's not helpful. Um, party time. <laughs> but one thing, one thing that, that I think about when I read the Bible for myself or prepare to preach is um, I like to test my conclusions from the word of God or my observations or my, my revelations that I feel like I'm getting. And the way that I, one of the ways that I test that is I imagine sharing what I think I'm getting out of the word of God. I imagine sharing it to a martyr on the way to the burning stake. I imagine sharing it with our dear brothers and sisters in the caves of Afghanistan today. And I wonder, is, is what is it? I'm not saying that's like the end all be all thing. And I'm not even saying you should do this all the time. I'm just, just sharing. I told you about my sweatshirt. Now I'm telling you about this. So this isn't like blanket number one rule of Bible study. I'm just saying it's a little practice that I have that serves as sort of a filter and a, a, a check and balance, you could say, to help me find where I might be skewing the word of God based on my own preferences, what I really want it to say for my sake, where I'm self-centered instead of kingdom-centered, where my worldview or culture might be influencing things more than I realize. And when I think about our brothers and sisters in that way, it becomes very clear quickly that any use of this text as a motivation for getting what I want by making sure that I'm paving over my selfish ambition by saying it's for the Lord. <laughs> that, that will be severely mistaken if, if my road of thought ends me there, ends me. And if I just serve God, I'll get everything I want. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that it's pretty easy to take this text where Jesus is taking our focus away from worrying about the material things of life to focus on the kingdom of God and its rewards and make it about material things instead of about the kingdom of God and its rewards. It's very easy to get distracted. And we need good rituals and habits of returning our focus to the kingdom and growing in the grace of God. Te Jesus is teaching us in this passage about focus. He is focusing us on eternity. He is focusing us on rewards. He is focusing us on the Father as we live a life that has so many things to look at. I, uh, confession time maybe, I got suckered this, this week. I got suckered by the explore page on my Instagram. Oh, don't judge me. Look at me with those eyes. You ever wasted your time on Instagram? I got suckered, sucked right in. Look at it. I was like, I don't care about any of this. <laughs> uh, so I pushed that stupid button and um, I'm scrolling through all this stuff that I don't care about. And I'm finding that going through this Instagram page and, it, and it's like after, after several minutes, I'm like, wow, this is just like one rich person after another one famous person after another, 
one perfectly good-looking person after another, one, one whatever, one hardworking person after another, one successful person after another, one smart person after another, coaching me on how to store up for myself and my family treasures on earth. Shining their bright and flashy light in front of my dim eye and mentoring me on how to be a better slave to their precious master, materialism, and all of its minions. The world that you are living in feeds you anxieties by the buffet load. And, and your flesh, my flesh, we, we feast on them. We feast on these things with a ravenous hunger and an unquenchable thirst. And you can eat that buffet all day long. No one will stop you. You can have as much as you'd like. The world we're living in is feeding us these anxieties. It's feeding us these things that Jesus is, 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 is calling us to focus away from. But they're so all over the place. They're so in our face and so easy to look at. And when we feast on them, it sort of tastes good for a second. And then you're like, oh, I feel bloated. This is terrible. And we're living our lives, and it's like without any effort at all in our lives, we get swept up on the wings of, of fear and insecurity. And the wind of culture takes us higher and higher until it gracefully plants us on the summit of the mountain of anxiety. Where we look down and we can see the vast expanse of all the, that the world has to offer us. And as we stand there on the summit, observing what it is that there is to see and feast on in this life, the world, the flesh, and the devil approach us oh so gently and whisper oh so kindly to us that they will promise to us all the peace, all the happiness, all the satisfaction, all the affirmation, all the security that all the world has to offer us if we will just bow down on that mountain and worship them. And that mountain in that moment, the view, the, the, the whispers, it's paralyzing. It's captivating. And as we are hypnotized by anxiety, showing us at just the perfect angle all the things that we just might lust after so deeply. Our Lord Jesus Christ steps up to our other shoulder. Our Lord Jesus Christ, who knows what it is to be 40 days in the desert, hungry, and thirsty, who knows what it is to be in the garden, fearful and sorrowful until death about what tomorrow is going to bring, who has been stripped naked and set on a cross for all to see he stands next to us, shoulder to shoulder, somehow simultaneously sympathizing with our temporal, fleshy weaknesses as a man, and yet standing glorified in his eternal strength. 
And he, like only he can, pierces through that spell that anxiety puts us under as we soak in the view. And Jesus simply asks the question, is not life more than this? Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than all of that? And I'm so thankful that Jesus would stand next to us and he tells us, I know there's a lot to look at right now, but would you just focus on the birds for a second? Focus on the birds for a second. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet their heavenly father feeds them. My point isn't that you should go now start acting like the birds. I'm just saying, aren't you more valuable than all of them? I know there's so much to look at and it's captivating, but would just focus on the lilies for a second. How they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his splendor was not arrayed like one of these. My point isn't that you need to go act like grass and consider yourself grass. I'm just saying, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And Jesus, our Savior, who's been through the desert, tells us, no, there's nothing wrong with bread. There's nothing wrong with getting the bread. Just remember, man doesn't live by bread alone. Isn't life more than that? Yes, God is merciful to catch you if you will throw yourself down at all of these things and repent later, but don't put the Lord your God to the test. Life is more than that. No, the world and its things, they're not totally worthless. Just remember, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Life is more than all of this. Therefore, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink nor about your body, what you will put on because life is more than this. So seek first the kingdom of God. Life is more than this. I feel like that kind of preach is good, but is it though? <laughs> Doesn't feel like that, does it? It's another one of those things that's like, man, is, is it really more than all this? Is, is your life really more than all the needs that you have? Is it really more than all the things you're going through? The trials, the pain, is it, is it really more? Doesn't feel like it is. Is there really more to life than the fear of real possibilities in my life right now? Is it really more than the concern over things and people that really matter, that I really care about, that really impact me, that I really love? Jesus doesn't pull any punches here. He, in all of his grace and mercy and truth, puts a pretty binary decision before us. To consider life is either about all of this or it's about rewards. 
And if life is about all this, you should probably be anxious about all of it. But if life really is about reward, seek the kingdom first. Okay, Jesus, uh, what do we do? He throws in this little phrase, are you of little faith? Jesus wants us to have faith. Another one of those words that pastors like to say that don't seem to always help you out with exactly what you're going through right now. <laughs> oh, you of little faith. Faith, what is faith? What, what am I supposed to have with faith? How do I know if I'm in faith? How do I know what faith looks like? Well, we gotta look at our focus first and Jesus is coaching us right now. He is telling us that anxiety, you will know anxiety because anxiety is trying to focus you on outcomes. Faith focuses you on rewards. And Jesus is, is calling us and making available to us a life of faith by his grace. I've been thinking about our brothers and sisters who don't have clothes and don't have food. And I've been thinking about this passage. <laughs> and then it makes me think about us. I'm like, Lord, what do we do with this? How, how, how do we, what, what are you saying to us? What do we do? And, and I know just a few things going on in this room. It's like, man, we're all living real life. We've all got a lot going on. So what, what is it that we're supposed to do? And this comment, oh, you of little faith, is him implying, have faith. I'm like, have faith in what? How do you have faith? How do you know what faith is? Hebrews 10, well, Hebrews 11:1, 1, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. And I've, find that interesting because that word conviction and assurance, those are such words of like rest and peace. Like when you're convinced of something it's, and somebody asks you to explain something you're completely convinced of, it's kind of weird. You know, like, uh, like convince me that you love your spouse. And you're like, okay, um, oh, I love them. I, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's so duh. You know, like, ah, like I, I wasn't wrestling with that. I didn't have to fight for that one, you know? Or if you're assured of something, there's such rest there. There's, and I've found that most of the time, uh, I have been distracted by like, I thought faith was evidenced by like my angst. Like, oh, it's gonna happen. Oh, like we're gonna get, I'm gonna pray real hard and I've got so much faith and I've got so much, and I'm like, I read these words, assurance, conviction, and I feel the, like, I see the rest in that. I'm like, ooh, I don't know if I do have any faith. <laughs> Because I'm freaking out about everything. I must not have faith about much. But what, what I'm trying to talk to us about is that 
we need to look at the fruit we're bearing to know where we're, where we're coming from. Anxiety is trying to, to focus you on outcomes that you can't control. But a life of faith is focusing on the rewards that actually you can control. But we just would rather control the outcomes. Or at least I would. The life of faith that Jesus is calling us to, it's not a lazy life and it's not a life that doesn't focus on anything. He's, he's, he's trying to encourage us in this passage to, to, to value eternity more than our temporal life. And that doesn't preach good because it doesn't feel good and it never will. But you, by the grace of God, have the opportunity. Um, you, okay, you, you have the opportunity in... Uh, ah, you never have the opportunity to control an outcome. You always have the opportunity to focus on what fruit you do bear in a situation. And there's a lot of outcomes that scare us and all of that, but the question that Jesus is asking us to live as Christians is not how is this gonna end, but what fruit am I gonna bear? And I wish that as your pastor, I could tell you that if you just follow Jesus, everything's gonna go the way you want it to go. And the hard situation you're going through is gonna end exactly the way you want it to. And all that stuff. But like, I can't tell you that. I can't tell you that for me. I wish I could make it true for me. And I can't make it true for you. And I love you enough. <laughs> and I fear God enough to be honest with myself and you. And I'm thinking about my brothers and my sisters. And, and I've, I've signed up for this magazine from an organization called Voice of the Martyrs. And so once a month we get this magazine and there's all these stories of the persecuted church around the, the world. And it's for free. And I encourage you to get it and read through it every month because it's stunning. And um, I'm always amazed at how my brothers and my sisters, when they're faced with losing everything that it is that I worry about, they somehow bear the fruit of the Spirit. And that's crazy to me. But Jesus never asked me to control an outcome, but he does ask me to bear fruit. And so when I'm anxious about outcomes, I'm anxious about things that aren't even my job, let alone I can't even do it. But he has said, abide in me, and you will bear much fruit for the glory of God the Father. And abide in me. And when, when I live a fruitful life, that's a, a fruitful life now is a, is a life that lives full of and bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit. See, um, faith doesn't mean everything works out the way that you thought it was gonna go. Faith doesn't mean every prayer you're gonna pray gets answered. Faith doesn't mean and isn't necessarily marked by the breakthrough, by the testimony, by the celebration. Faith is marked by fruit. And Jesus is reorienting us here. And I think we could use this in, in, in the culture we're living in that, that celebrates outcomes so much because it's what we focus on so much. And Jesus is inviting us to say, there is life to be found if you will focus on the fruit. If you will focus on the fruit. In the situation you're going through, I can't, I can't stand up here and tell you how to navigate all the hard situations you're going through. But I can tell you that you can bear fruit now and for eternity in every situation. You can concern yourself with that. You can abide in Jesus and bear fruit for the glory of God. And that's hard because there's plenty of times where I'd rather not have the fruit of the Spirit and have the outcome that I want. Can we be honest? But Jesus is saying, I know. But life is more than that. Life is more than that. 
anxiety really tests our faith. It tests what I think matters the most. It tests what I think is going to last the longest. It tests my fears. It tests my, my ability to pray, my desire to pray, all of these sort of things. And Jesus knows that. I'm so thankful. <laughs> I'm so thankful that Jesus knows what it is to stand, be, be placed on top of the mountain and be promised to the world if you will just serve it. And I'm thankful that Jesus knows what it is to face the trial of the question that isn't easy, is not comfortable, but it does cut through it all. Isn't life more than this? Jesus, in 40 days worth of hunger and thirst, promised food and drink, had to face the tension. <laughs> Wait a minute. Isn't life more than this? Jesus knows what it's like sweating blood in the garden, crying out to the Father like you have in the secret place for that family member, that child, that situation, that healing. Jesus knows what that pain is like and he knows what it is to say, God, just make it go away. There's got to be another way of and then the question, but isn't life more than this? Okay, your will, not my will. Jesus knows what it is to be hung on the cross, everything laid bare, bleeding and dying, no rescue plan. This is death, this is happening. This has to be faced, this has to be gone through and everybody's shouting at him, well, if you're really God, Get yourself down. If you're really a Christian, pray harder and God will answer it. If you really have faith, where's, where's the, the, the end happening the way you want it to go? Just quit now because this clearly isn't working because it's not going how you want it to go. And Jesus knows how to face the question in that moment. Isn't life more than this? And so I don't always know what to do with that. And sometimes I don't, and I, frankly, I don't really know what to do with it right now. But I do know that that's the only thing worth saying that is actually the most true thing in all the world that would ever help my brother going to the burning stake go to the burning stake. Isn't life more than this? Isn't that what we're here for? Isn't that what we're doing? It's the only thing that I think I could genuinely tell my brothers and sisters in the caves of Afghanistan right now. I don't have the answers, but I, I guess I just have to, we just have to decide right now again, isn't life more than this? And if it is, let's seek the kingdom. Let's put the kingdom first. So I haven't given you much practical things this morning because I don't know the specifics of what thing it is that's making it so hard to face this question right now or what might happen tomorrow that, has you, that might make you face this. I don't know, you know, 
I'm confident that tomorrow the sun will rise. I don't know what it will, what anxiety, trouble, uncertainty it may illuminate when it does rise. But I do know that the fact that it rises at all is testimony that whatever it shines on, there's mercy for it. Whatever it shines on, life is more than that. And a Christian life is one set on the more. Living for the fruit of eternity, surrendering the outcomes of today and worshiping in between. This is the life of faith. And so this isn't comfortable, but I thought at least I'd be honest with you. <laughs> so we're gonna close this morning and we're gonna take communion now instead of at the beginning.